Welcome to Douglas Wilson's The Plodcast, presented by Canon Press. So, welcome to the podcast. This is episode 276. My name is Douglas Wilson, and I am so glad that you decided to um, forsake whatever it was you were doing in order to join us here. So, what, what should we talk about today? Well, what I want to talk about is what just happened a, a few weeks ago, at least as of the time I'm recording this, and that was the indictment of Donald Trump. Um, and I want to talk a little bit about uh, what a bogus operation that was, and I'm, and I want to begin with a little story that might might look like I'm changing the subject, but I'm not changing the subject. When I was a boy, um, my family—I was four or five years old—our family lived in Tacoma Park, Maryland, right outside D.C. Uh, for about a year. I grew up in Annapolis, Maryland, but this was the year before we moved there. So I was a very young boy. We lived in Tacoma Park, Maryland, and our next door neighbor. I forget what Latin American country it was. I think it may have been Peru. Uh, but our next door neighbor there in Tacoma Park was the former dictator of Peru. Okay, now, when you, let's say you're playing a sort of global brinksmanship and you, and you want to get rid of a, an unsavory dictator. And, and, and let's not get into the politics of whether or not we have any right to do this. I'm just talking about the the repercussions of the way you do it. If you've got a bad bad guy dictator and you say we're going to remove him from power and you say okay, we're going to we're going to force you to the door and we're going to give you a nice little suburban house in Tacoma Park, Maryland where you can live out the rest of your days in peace and quiet. Your chances of getting the dictator out of his position of power is greatly increased if you insist on removing the dictator and hanging him from a, a light post, or if you, the way Gaddafi in Libya was removed. If you if you remove him that way, then when pressure is applied to remove the next dictator, all you've done is you have st uh, stiffened the resolve of dictators everywhere to f hang on to power and fight to the last ditch. If the, Basically, when you want to move someone along, you need to have a, an off-ramp for them. You need to have some sort of way that m makes it possible for them to be moved off stage without the whole thing turning into a bloodbath. All right, so that's that's what we're that's the principle applied to geopolitics in domestic politics here's the thing in 2016 after trump's surprise win uh, hillary lost trump won a few days after that and you you recall that one of the things that uh, would happen at trump rallies is that the the crowd would exuberantly get into chanting lock her up lock her up now i wrote against the you know now, I happen to believe that Hillary is guilty of all sorts of things, and I think uh, you could lock her up in the abstract and no injustice done. Uh, so that's the first thing. But this, the second thing is, if you want a stable country, 
if you want peaceful transitions of power, you're not going to achieve that result if every election results in the prosecution of the losing candidate, or if every election cycle results in the prosecution of the leading contender for the the incumbent's position. So right now, so right now, Vladimir Putin and Joe Biden have this in common. They are the leaders of a country in which the leading political opponent has been arrested for cause. That cause being the fact that they were a leading political opponent. And this is banana republic stuff. This is simply not what you want. If and and I don't think you want it uh, either way. Uh, having said this, you somebody's going to say sure, but you don't want a situation where the powers that be are too big to jail. They're they're too big. They're they're entirely above receiving any consequences for their actions. Well, I think the, the as a general rule, I'm sure there'd be exceptions, but as a general rule, I think it would be totally legitimate to go after the henchmen with criminal prosecutions. So I'm astounded, flummoxed, baffled that the whole top floor of the FBI is not in jail, uh, given their behavior uh, through the presidential campaign in 2016 and down, down to the present. I think it's just baffling that there haven't been criminal prosecutions. But I think the leader, the top dog, should be addressed by means of impeachment and not by means of criminal prosecution, because you want to preserve peaceful transitions of power. So that means I was against the prosecution of Hillary after Trump won. I'm against the political partisan prosecution of Donald Trump now, where you've got this bogus cooked up set of charges against him simply for political reasons. And I would also be against the prosecution of Joe Biden himself uh, if uh, once he is out of office and no longer able to uh, control the Department of Justice. I, th I just don't think that that's what we want. You want accountability for our leaders, but you don't want the kind of accountability that turns every election into a caged death match. Always will be God. Continuing with episode 276 in the podcast, as we continue our course in hamartiology, we come to learn that epikataritas means cursed. Epikataritas means cursed. Now, obviously, it's a bad thing to be cursed by God. And one of the problems we see in Scripture is that there are people who are cursed who think that other people are cursed. Their judgment is false, in other words. They, they're not wrong because they think there's a category of people who are cursed, but they are wrong in who they put in that category. So in John 7.49, for example, this word is used, epikataritas, but this people who knoweth not the law are cursed. And this is a backhanded dismissal of the rabble, the, the, un, the great unwashed. Uh, these people that knoweth not the law are, are cursed. Now, actually, the people with that sentiment were the ones who were cursed, but they didn't know that, or they didn't know it on the conscious level. But there is a use of the word that refers to people who really are under a curse. In other words, they really are cursed. If someone is attempting to live by the terms of the law of God, and they are making this attempt in order to place God in their debt or to ingratiate themselves with him, the end result is simply a curse. We're taught this in Galatians 3.10. 3, it says, Therefore, 
as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For as it is written, cursed, and there's our word, cursed is every one that continueth not in all things, which are written in the book of the law, to do them. So if someone's under the law, and they say, I'm going to use the law here as a ladder to climb up to heaven with, the person who tries to use the law and their own performance of moral duties as the law that will get them up into heaven, that person is cursed. And this is because the law demands perfection. If you're going to use the law as a ladder to climb to heaven, you've got to touch every rung. You can't slide back down the ladder. You can't break through a rung. You can't, you've got to step on every rung. You've got to climb the ladder perfectly. So the law demands perfection, and anything less than that perfection is damned. The gospel is seen in the fact that what, we're, what we were by nature, cursed, Christ became by grace, cursed. So we were cursed by nature. We were by nature objects of wrath, Paul says in Ephesians. Uh, we're by nature objects of wrath. And Christ, by God's grace, uh, became the object of wrath on the cross. So, and that's, we're, that's what we're taught in Galatians 3.13. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed, there we, there's our word, cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. So, in the Old Testament, everyone who is uh, hanged on a tree was considered cursed by God. They really were cursed by God. And Jesus was hanged on a tree, thereby bearing God's curse. And it was a substitutionary atonement. What we were by nature, Christ became by grace. We were cursed, Christ became cursed on the cross. And he there bore our, the curse of our sin, sins and sinning so that we might have his righteousness imputed to us. So, our unrighteousness is imputed to him, which is the ground of him being cursed. And his righteousness is imputed to us, which is the, with the end result of us being vindicated. God don't never change. He's God. So for our book review this uh, time around, I am reading a book currently uh, in the book called Our Program by Abraham Kuyper. Now, Abraham Kuyper was a theologian, a pastor, a preacher, a newspaperman, a founder of a university, and at one point, the prime minister of the Netherlands. Uh, he was that kind of guy, in other words. He was a tornado in boots. So, Kuyper was uh, really, really something. Now, the folks at Lexham Press, uh, they're associated with Logos Bible Software, uh, which is the software program I use and love. Uh, Logos Bible Software is a great program. They uh, are engaged in printing many, printing, reprinting, many valuable books. And the collected works of uh, Kuiper are among them. And one of these uh, volumes is Our Program uh, by Abraham Kuiper. Now, our program for what? Well, Kuiper was involved in the establishment of the anti-revolutionary party in the Netherlands. Now, uh, the revolution here, the, well, we need to think, and think more in these terms. The revolution is that worldview that sort of was kicked off or inaugurated by the French Revolution, and that was spreading across Europe. There are various manifestations of uh, this revolutionary fervor in Europe and 
1848, for example, the uprisings uh, then, the 1800s were the century of revolution. And think of the two bookends of that, the French Revolution at the tail end of the 1700s and the Russian Revolution at the beginning of the 20th century. Those are the two bookends. And then the 18, uh, 1800s were the uh, century of revolution. And I would include the American Civil War as part of that revolutionary foment. Well, Kuyper was an anti-revolutionary. Um, he was an anti-revolutionary thinker and writer, which I think all consistent Christians must be. And our program is sort of a manifesto or a platform, a platform would be a better way of describing it, of Kuyper outlining what sorts of principles their anti-revolutionary political party stood for. It's really enlightening reading. Kuyper uh, saw how nonsensical it was for us to try to govern without reference to God, and that's one of the beginning, uh, one of the beginning foundational points. Everything's got to be done in reference to God. But Kuyper doesn't want an ecclesiocracy, but he recognizes that all societies are a theocracy. All societies have a ultimate authority past which there's no appeal. And that ultimate authority has to be God. Now, an ecclesiocracy is something like what you have in Iran, where the ayatollahs, uh, the, the religious figures, are the ones in control. That's an ecclesiocracy. Uh, that's not a biblical Christian way to proceed. But you can have the church in one realm, the civil authorities in another realm, and the family in another realm, all of them under the authority of God in Christ. So, if you um, look up Lexham Press, Lexham Press, Abraham Kuyper, there's a whole series of um, his works, and um, I've, I've read Kuyper before, um, but this is the first book in this um, reprinted set that Lexham is doing, and uh, it's just really nicely bound, nicely laid out, really good job with it, and I think that this, um, our program is a, a very good place to start.